Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015. It's the Hockey Pediocast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey Pediocast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Greg Rusinski. Greg, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much, colleague. Uh, yeah. It's always Peer. fun to say that. Yeah, it's always fun to go on like Reddit and uh, and see people. There's there's three stages of Reddit now. There's the first uh, initial, what does ESPN know about hockey thing, and then uh, then there's like someone who steps up and says, no no no, you have to understand that the TV side's different than the writing side. And there's a third level of it that says they have Greg Wyshynski, Emily Kaplan, Dmitry Filipovich, and Chris Peters. And then it makes me really happy that like we've we've all, you know, contributed to the brand equity. And we all do different stuff, too, which I really like. Um, I think we've really kind of cornered the market there in terms of a fun, like original content. I think we're doing a good job. But uh, obviously, you and I having this conversation is uh, we're coming from a pretty biased place. Very, very biased place. But that's (laughs) fine. And then you're right. Like it's. Like we're like we're like the Avengers. Like everybody brings a certain thing to the table. You know, I, I Emily brings uh, heart and uh, humanity, and you bring um, uh, analytical genius, and Chris brings prospects. And uh, you know, I'm making the same jokes I made in 2010. So it's it, it's all it's it's all one big uh, stew of, of goodness over there, yeah. isn't it? I'm uh, I'm like deep diving Blake Coleman and Anthony Sorelli, and then all of a sudden Chris Peters comes in from the top rope as some like random Slovakian guy that no one's ever heard of. He's <laughs> 17 years old, and he's like, "Watch out for this guy!" And it's like, "Oh my god, we got it all." Um, all right, Greg. So the plan today is uh, you and I are going to do a bit of a uh, informal, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Broadcast team rankings, and I kind of. Uh, I forget how what the genesis of this was. I think like Joe Schmo sixty nine or something on Twitter like put out his his rankings, and then you commented on it, and then you and I started a a message thread going back and forth about it. And we decided to just do it in in podcast form instead. Indeed, yeah, that's probably how it worked, and we'll just free will it. I mean, there's a lot of good voices out there. There's a lot of voices I don't need to hear out there. So we'll try to we'll try to separate the laundry a little bit on this podcast. Yeah. Well, when I started doing this, I sat down to to write it out. It, it was depressing that I actually had opinions for the most part on like all of the broadcasting. It's like, oh my god, I've spent way too much time watching hockey. The fact that I uh, can distinguish between some of these names. But um, before we get into it, what's like? Let's get into the methodology a little bit in terms of like what we're looking for from our hockey broadcast in 2019 in terms of personal preferences or, you know, things that are deal breakers for you or what you need from your, your broadcast team. Is there a certain stuff that like sticks out to you and when you tune into a game that you really need first and foremost? Yeah, I need, I need a play by play guy. That's going to be able to not only bring the energy, uh, but also maybe wink at us a little bit about how ridiculous everything they're watching is. And and I know that uh, on a national level, Doc Emmerich gets stinged by a lot of people. Um, but I, he's one of my favorite broadcasters for that very reason, which is that 
Um, when the action gets hot and heavy, he, he elevates it. He doesn't get in the way of it, but he elevates it. And there's always sort of this whimsical winking. We all know this is all dumb, right? Yeah. Kind of thing to the way he, he conveys the game. That's what I wanted of a play-by-play guy. Out of a color commentator, I, I want I want quirkiness and uh, an occasional uh, hard opinion that sneaks through the we're a rights holder filter, um, but not. I'm not a fan of the. the, the this is going to be a, a reference that doesn't fly for a lot of people, but there's there was a dude named Ralph Kiner who used to do uh, Mets games back in New York when I was a kid like legendary baseball player i think he's a hall of famer he used to play with the pittsburgh pirates and you know he was like the fuddy-duddy like he would say things and it'd be cute and whatever because he was an old jock um but he he was he was just sort of like befuddling rather than being uh interesting and so i like i like there being a certain kind of um befuddling charm to a color commentator but not to the point where they're sort of incompetent at what they do um, but I don't. I don't necessarily need a straight X's and O's guy. I right. need someone who's going to be a big personality, uh, but but be good at their job too. I guess See, would be the summation of that. When I was going through this list, what I noticed that kind of stuck out to me is that I think we're in a pretty good place with play-by-play guys, especially with this. Uh, I actually know Chris Peters wrote about this recently for ESPN. But there's this like next wave of play-by-play guys who are you know whatever in their early 30s, mid 30s that. Um, I think are really strong, whether it's Alex Faust or Brendan Burke or, or, or so on and so forth. There is a real um, lack of strong color commentators, I think, because what we find is it's a lot of former, I mean, it, it's pretty much exclusively a job for former players. And unfortunately, uh, there's very few of them that are either well-spoken enough or articulate enough to actually convey what I'm sure is a treasure chest full of experiences and anecdotes that would be interesting to the casual fan. So what makes guys like I think Ray Ferraro and Mike Johnson special is that they sort of have that gravitas of like we were successful NHL players and so we're coming at it from that perspective. But they also can talk to you as if you're just a buddy having a beer with them and they're not talking down at you or just pretending that just because you're the fan and you never played in the NHL, you you wouldn't get this and they kind of hand wave it. So they do a really good job of kind of letting you into that circle and and letting you making you feel like you're part of the team. And I think that's what I'm looking for from the color commentators and obviously being able to actually sort of like the Chris Collinsworth of in the NFL of like right after a play, be able to be like, all right, this is this is what happened on this last. (laughs) play and this is why it's important like i think having that skill is is uh is incredibly useful for a color commentator yeah i mean to to their credit like they they certainly do not talk down to you and make you feel like you don't know the game uh that only happens on twitter um but i will also (laughs) say that the the thing i also like from a local broadcast team um and and you kind of hit on this now is is it i I like it to feel like a conversation i mean i I, and sometimes when you're a, a national uh, fan or, or writer and you're, you're dipping into these games on center ice or whatever. And you know, you might not get a sense of it, but I think of like Washington, right? Like Joe Beninati and Craig Lachlan might not necessarily be everybody's cup of tea when it comes to a broadcast team. But if you're a Capitals fan, it's like inviting two old friends into your house. And, you know, these are voices that have been covering the team for a very long time. They understand the team. They understand the fan base. They understand the psychology of the franchise, the players, the quirks, they know the stories. Um, that level of sort of connectivity um, is very important to me as as a, as a consumer of television, and uh, and I think the NHL for the most part has a lot of teams that accomplish that. I think there's a very fine line in terms of homerism, though, where it's like. Uh, I, I get it. Well, these guys are spending uh, every day around this team. They're covering them. They're very close, very entrenched. And, and in some cases, they're actually directly affiliated. Their broadcast team is is with the actual NHL team. And so clearly they're going to speak more highly of them and talk them up. And, and that is their job. But I do – there's certain teams that um, – you can tell they're 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 pretty big homers, but they can also acknowledge a good play or a great talent from another team, or or if the team they're covering commits a penalty, they're willing to admit it. And then there's certain teams, and we're gonna get into them here in my tier of I have a tier of oh god, I hope they're not at home, so NHL TV doesn't automatically default to them because I can't <laughs> switch away quickly enough. And there's certain teams there where it's like you would just think that 
the team they're covering is this like flawless best team on the world at all times because they've never actually committed a penalty and they're <coughs> always the best players on the planet and it's really funny when it's coming from a from a team covering the Detroit Red Wings for example this year but uh <laughs> so th- there's certain instances of that as well like I, I I can take some homerism like I actually think that uh the Jack Edwards hate is completely misguided on Twitter and I actually think that Bruins broadcast is one of the better ones and most informative ones in the league but I can see why it would be off-putting because clearly uh, he, you know, he's wearing his Boston Bruins Stanley Cup ring, and and he has no, he makes no bones about the fact that he's clearly a fan of the team as well. Yeah, I'll hold off on my Jack and Brick uh, comments until we get into like top five area because yeah. I think they're that good. But uh, but I, I, I tend to agree with you. Okay. Um, where do you want to start here, uh, as far as this uh, this breakdown goes? Well, let's let's let's. I have I have this. Uh, I just alluded to that tier. I have like a tier of the bottom five teams. Um, that I really just like actively cannot stand, and and my fi- <laughs> my fingers do not respond quickly enough, as I mentioned, to switching away from them when NHL TV defaults to them. It's the Detroit Red Wings, in no particular order: Detroit Red Wings, Columbus Blue Jackets, Anaheim Ducks, and Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I I just I don't know. Do you, do you have any uh, any takes on those four? Because those <laughs> ones that really stuck out to me as like, oh god, I, I really can't stand these for a variety of reasons. <clears throat> yeah, the um. The Penguins one, so two of them are, are sort of interesting. The Penguins one is interesting because, well, be, well let me start with the Red Wings, actually. The, the Red Wings are, are Ken Daniels and then uh, usually Mickey, Mickey Redmond. Redmond yeah. They also, yeah, throw in a couple of other guys. That That's a broadcast that I think might have been one of those that has seen better days, mm, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. I mean, they've been in that job for a while. I think if you did this list of 10 years ago, um maybe it's a different situation but i, I mean I, I i tend to agree with you on that one it's not one that really moves the needle for me the pittsburgh one is is interesting because i feel like uh you know look having uh, uh you know mike lang there for a long time um on either side on tv or radio kind of makes everybody else sort of pale in comparison. But when I think of like the Steigerwald years with right, the Pittsburgh right, Penguins right. and how abject, I mean, you, your, your soliloquy about Homerism and, and how that could be toxic is, I mean, for God's <laughs> sakes, his, his, his picture's on the cover of that book. Right. Um, by comparison, this, this, the Steve Mears, Bob Airy team is better. Um, but not, but not necessarily, one of my favorites, but I, but I will put the caveat that in comparison to what's come before them, I think that they're an okay well, team. I actually do like Steve Mears. I think he's a, he's a good player. I play guy. The, the thing that bugs me is I, I feel like I'm triggered from like, uh, Bob Airy just, just saying Mearsy, uh, repeatedly, <laughs> like during the play. Like every time I hear that, I just like the skit, the, the hair just like sticks up on the back of my neck for whatever reason. It, it just really bugs me. It's the danger of putting an ex player in that spot. Cause he's yeah. going to, you know, nickname it up too much oh, oh it's brutal um i actually had a i had the panthers in in this tier i actually really do like steve goldstein um but dennis Potvin was so bad i know he's not there this year um i'm not sure if randy muller is much better but they were on in my honorable mentions here but i like the play-by-play guy enough where i uh, i didn't want to drag them through the mud that much yeah i like goldstein too and muller you know, Mueller back in the Puck Daddy days was somebody that we could uh, very much depend on for mm. all of his crazy, wacky pop culture references as a play-by-play guy. Um, so I, I, I can't – I mean, this is going to come as a shock. I don't know if I've logged enough time watching the Florida Panthers to really assess Randy Mueller as a color commentator. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a, a TBA on that, on that one because I did like him as a, as a play-by-play guy. Mm. All right. Well, let's uh... – Let's go to a. Do you have another sort of tier or a, another uh, like wherever you want to take this? Um, well, let me let me hit on my Devils for a second because right. listen, <laughs> now the Devils are another team that's had many incarnations of, of really good broadcasting teams. I mean, keep in mind Doc Emmerich was a local broadcaster for the Devils for many years. Gary Thorne, uh, who many people uh, still uh, hold up as one of the best. Uh, hockey play-by-play guys in the last you know 30 years was a local play-by-play guy for the Devils as well. So I'm not trying to goof on Steve Steve Cangelosi. He's serviceable. I, I like Candanico as a person, <laughs> and I like Candanico as a as a as a Devils legend. 
and I've I've you know I've had cigars with Ken Danico. He's he considered a quasi friend of mine. I don't know if he's necessarily cut out for the color commentator game. He he sort of fits in that category of franchise legend who gets this gig and does what he can with it and is a big personality that people like, but maybe not necessarily on on the ball. You know, I, I think I think is he is he more on the ball than Chico Resch was, who kind of fit the same bill. Absolutely. He actually talks about the game rather than the sausages most of the time. Right. Um, but 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 is he is he like top 20 color commentators? Probably not. You know, it's it's fine for what it is. If you're a Devils fan, that's what you're looking for. But um, I don't he, I don't I never really thought he fit that role very well. Danico reminds me of uh, like this is a, a real pull from the past, but a couple coaching stops ago, Mark Crawford used to do like the late games on uh, on CBC, and you could tell that he had this wealth of information that he wanted to share with you. But the game for a, for a color commentator, the game was moving too fast for him to like actually spit the words out in in, in a coherent manner. And so I I feel like that happens with Danico sometimes, where he starts making a point, and then like by the time the point's over, three different plays have happened. And, <laughs> yes, uh, and and so exactly it, it, right. it, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because it's like I really want to hear what he has to say, but it's just like the timing is also very important in this as well. I do like the uh, the unintentional comedy before the games when they're teeing it up and kind of going over the keys of the game, and it's like this is just unintentional comedy picture of, of Danico just towering over Cangelosi. Like I, I think like <laughs> yeah, in terms of a, yes. a buddy buddy cop spectacle component, like they're 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 right up there in terms of a pair. I'll stay in the New York area. Sam Rosen is sort of a uh, um, institution in New York. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's one of those deals where, like, if you close your, your eyes and think of, of watching a Rangers game, you're inevitably going to hear that voice. Um, it's that iconic. So even if there's been some uh, miles per hour taken off the fastball, I still think he's he's pretty good at it. And then, you know, Joe Micheletti, who's – you know, does collar, I think is a really insightful guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it's, it's a pretty good pairing right there. And then they didn't, they didn't make my top five. So I'll talk about them now. I don't know if they made your top five, but like Brendan Burke is really good. Um, and Butch Goring is okay for the Islanders, but, but Brendan Burke is somebody who to me, like in five years, we're going to look at this cat as a, as a national game guy. Um, because I think he's, he's got that potential and that ability. And uh, I'm not just saying that because he was on Puck Soup once. Yeah, I uh, I had the the Islanders on my like strong play by play tier of guys where like I I like Brendan Burke a lot. I think Butch Boring, uh, Butch Goring, I get it. I'm sure they're. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure but <laughs> that was actually uh, an a- accidental one. But um, no, I think I think it's apt. From the, I'm sure there's a sentimental value for Islanders fans, but for for myself as a, as an unbiased observer, I'd like someone that can kind of keep up with Brendan Burke when he's throwing his fastball, and I, I just think uh, Butch Goring at this point can. So I uh, I don't. I- have them there i i also think that like you know they've used aj malesko there and they've used jen jen botterell there and like that's to me that i mean i i don't know i i think this is gonna sound weird but i think brendan burke brings the the right kind of energy to bounce off um a a, a woman doing color yeah. uh and on that broadcast and i i think if they went in that direction full time uh it might it might benefit the broadcasting it's good um the other thing i'll say is that on the philadelphia side I can't speak to Jim Jackson as a play-by-play guy, um, but I can uh, speak to uh, Keith Jones as a color commentator, and I think he's—I think he's actually might be better in that role than he is as a studio guy. Yep, I agree. I completely so, agree. Yeah, yeah. He's always kind of weird on those NBC broadcasts when he's standing at that table. It's like. <laughs> I feel like his talents are being wasted a little bit. He looks very uncomfortable. I, I think so too. I think I think he's one of those cats. Like there are certain certain guys on NBC broadcasts. Like I don't, I don't need to hear Milbury in the booth of, ever again. And Lord knows they realize, you know, finally that Ronick isn't necessarily cut out for that thing either. You don't need to see uh, Jeremy Ronick interacting with pigs. <laughs> yeah, I'm still bummed about that. I mean, it, it, if you're asking what he would have done had he not been suspended for the Winter Classic, um, definitely would have kissed a pig or had a, a pig kiss him. Oh, something weird with a horse, I think. Well, I think I think the, the, he would have been on a horse in the intro, but I think what they would have done, but people might not know this, but there was a, a bucking Bronco mechanical bull um, on the uh, field uh, around the rink for the, the Winter Classic, so... 
Um, I think he would have definitely ridden that. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Keith Jones probably belongs in a booth rather than behind a, a thing. I do like Keith Jones. Uh, back to your Rangers point, I uh, for whatever reason, Sam Rosen and, and Joe Micheletti, whenever I watch those games, especially the games in MSG, I always get this big game feel. It doesn't matter if they're playing the Ottawa Senators or whoever. It's like it, it just I, I really enjoy tuning into those games. I kind of wish that, uh, you know, as much as I like Sam Rosen, that Kenny Albert wasn't being wasted on radio for Rangers games. And yeah. He's doing more TV and and he, you know, he sparsely gets <clears throat> sprinkled into playoff games here or there uh, for NBC. But um you know, hopefully one day he'll be doing that job full time because I think he's certainly uh, right up there in terms of the play-by-play guys. Yeah, like uh, that's a whole other category that we could have done, which is you know, who who has better radio guys than they do TV well, guys? Most teams, I think that's the kind of the problem. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what do you think about Buffalo? So I had them on my. Uh, I had the Sabres and the Blackhawks. I know this is going to irritate uh, people on Reddit, but they're my two of my uh, irrational dislike teams because I really, for whatever reason, just the the voice is uh, is a bit grating to me. I get the shtick. I understand it. I just I try to not watch too many uh, Sabres broadcasts. Yeah, no, I I, <clears throat> I feel you on that, and I feel like that's that sort of shtick of a of a of a certain era and a certain time and you know, eventually you go to the next thing. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Pat Foley on these Black, Blackhawks games is like, I mean, it's out of control. The drama is like, it really is. I, I get it. I, I get it. There's a, there's a certain crowd for it. It's just not for me. So it's not, you don't need to be mad about it. It's just, uh, we have different, different tastes. Yeah. And also, you know, to speak to the, to Keith Jones thing, like Eddie Olchek also, yeah. you know, good at what he does and uh and and obviously enhances local broadcast now how do you feel about like like eddie olchek doing blackhawks games on nbc like is it ever an issue for you when the the guy who's the local like color guy and and kind of i mean let's face it like a quasi ambassador for the team is covering the team on a national level I can see why it would be an issue. I think in this particular case, I've never really, um, it's never really stuck out to me as like, oh, like he's really crossed the line here. I think Eddie Olchuk does a really good job of uh, kind of maintaining that impartialism and sort of, um, you know, if anything, I, I think he can sort of provide some added insight, not that we need it for the Blackhawks at this point, because it feels like they kind of just regurgitate the <coughs> same storylines and narratives about that team every single day, every single year. But um, I, I think that, uh, I'm okay with it in that in that case. Although I do, I can certainly see um, in the wrong hands where that could be an issue. Let me hit my uh, <clears throat> my local guy here, um, Randy Hahn. Now mm. that I live in San Jose, I think that Randy Hahn and Drew Remenda at the height of their powers were one of my favorite broadcasting teams, maybe ever uh, in in modern NHL broadcasting. Um, they had a, a certain kind of uh, snarky tone to them. Um, that I always really enjoyed watching those West Coast games back when I was living in New York. And um, they'd also kind of like do this thing where they would sort of just park whatever was going on on the game for like a few minutes, just rant about things happening in the NHL, which I always appreciated. Because I feel like I feel like one of the real failings of, of American <clears throat> hockey coverage on television is a, is a lack of league, league-wide takeage. Um, right. And that goes for NBC too. I don't think they do enough. That the fact that NBC never developed their own like hot stove segment is insane to me. Um, <clears throat> but I always appreciate that about Drew and, and Randy. And then Drew left, and, and then Randy said like a few different people, like Jamie Baker, Brett Hedekin, and, and Kendall Coyne, kind of cycling through. Um, I, I like Randy Hahn a lot uh, for what he does, um, you know. And, and I think that the the cast of characters that have sort of tried to replace Hermenda haven't necessarily done so uh but i i find it to be half a entertaining broadcast yeah uh, i'm right there with you and uh <clears throat> I, I think brad hedekin's actually a, a very serviceable uh color commentator so i'm okay with that call um let's get into uh do you want to do our like our, our our top shelf tier here like the the very very best if you're top five or, or however many you want to lump in there sure okay. um honorable uh <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little frog in my throat. Honorable mention for me might be uh, John Kelly and Darren Pang in St. Louis, mm-hmm. um, only because Pang's so good. Uh, he's real good. He's he's always been one of my favorite guys to talk to about hockey 
and uh, I enjoy listening to a guy breaking down hockey. Um, so I appreciate him. He's just outside of my top five. Let me give you the, the – do you want my full top five or do you want just five? Uh, we'll just – whatever you want to do it. Let's just do the full top five. <clears throat> All right. Number five on my list is uh, Jack Edwards and, and Andy Brickley for the, for the very reasons that you stated before, which is that people that don't understand the shtick – <clears throat> don't understand the uh, the genius going on there <laughs> as far as making Homerism an art. Um, really, uh, are missing missing the boat. Um, the the two things I love about this broadcast, one is that Andy Brickley sounds like the people watching the show, and I can't tell you how much that really irks me, uh, and has irked me for years when the NHL expanded into the Sun Belt and different places like the fact that there was never anybody on Nashville's broadcasts that sounded like they just stepped out of an RV at a NASCAR race <laughs> is insane to me. Like, how do you not get people that speak the language of the people that are watching the show? Like, that's how you get more people to watch your show. It's not having Terry Crisp on there going you know, out and about like <clears throat> it never made any sense to me to not have voices on your on your broadcast that would be recognizable to voices in your audience so to have andy brickley on there who literally just sounds like he rolled out of a dunkin donuts at 6 30 in the morning with a cigarette like is it's a beautiful thing and uh, and i always appreciated that about that broadcast and then jack edwards obviously you know through the years the the verbal assaults on opposing players i know comes off in some my, people's minds as classless yeah. but there's the world is separated into two types of people: those who feel it's classless, and those who occasionally go back onto YouTube to hear Jack Edwards scream "Get up!" Uh, when Roman Hammerlick tried to dive for a penalty <laughs> in a Habs Bruins game. So they're they're number five on my list. Maybe it should be even higher. I I really adore them as a duo. Uh, they actually have. Four, they actually. Well, let, let me just make a point on that. I I think they. Yeah, uh, you know, when we think of them and, and if someone just kind of casually tunes in on occasion or, or sees some ridiculous clip of Jack Edwards, you know, yelling about something or making fun of an opposing team's player, they think that's all there is to it. But beyond that, there's a legitimate like intellectual conversation about hockey that's happening throughout the game and them getting into stuff. It bugs me sometimes how much Jack Edwards talks about plus minus and how he still propels it as as the uh, his top metric in 2019 but or 2020 now. But at the same time, beyond that, I do think uh, they really add a lot to the table in terms of just informing viewers at home and, and talking and breaking down plays. And really, um, for people especially that aren't following the league as closely as you and I, and maybe you're watching a game every other day, uh, and you don't see the opposing team that much. I think they do a really good job of sort of painting a picture, telling a story about both teams that are playing. And I think that's really important for a broadcast team. I completely agree. <clears throat> Number four for me is uh, Josh uh, Bogorod and uh, Daryl Ray. And now keep in mind that this group, this pairing would be uh, higher than this. Um, if uh, Ralph Strangis was still doing play by play for the Dallas stars, I thought Ralph and, and, and Daryl were, a really, really great pairing uh, through the years. Josh is, is uh, uh, doing play-by-play now um, and uh, and was a Puck Daddy reader, I came to find out, at uh, the Cotton Bowl. So, hello. Uh, Daryl Ray, who we just had on Puck Soup, is without question, like, my favorite color commentator in the world. Um, I, I, I feel like he has that <clears throat> unique ability to break down a play um, – in a smart and succinct way um and then also be an absolute goofball and uh, just uh, someone who is um borderline distractingly funny when he does a broadcast and um and also fulfills that very important thing that we talked about with danico earlier which is local icon you know fans love this guy he is sort of their guy he is the guy who brings them the games and you know, has developed his own little <clears throat> cult of personality through the years in Dallas. So Daryl Ray, um, it, based on the strength of him, uh, carries this duo to to fourth on my list. Where do they stand with your with you? Yeah, I had, my, I had third on mine, and and uh, I think the important distinction here for Razor Ray is is uh, you know he certainly 
the the, the flashy part of the headlines are going to be the the alliteration and and the uh, the the thesaurus he basically uses for kind of throwing out these crazy words on occasion, but I don't think he uses it as a crutch. I think, you know, he kind of uses it as a supplementary tool to add that kind of flair and to be a bit goofy and show some personality. I think he actually, the analysis component of it that, that he brings to the table as well is, is important here. So, you know, sometimes like watching these NBC broadcasts and, and I think you like Doc Emmerich at this point more than I maybe because of the devil's nostalgia, but I, I sign, I'm like, oh my God, if one more guy elevators or waffle boards or, or does some other word than no other human being would use uh, in their dictionary on a daily basis, uh, it, it drives me up the wall sometimes. Whereas with Ray, like it kind of blends it in more seamlessly and doesn't actually just use it as sort of the be all end all on occasion. So I really like that. And, and I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, maybe it's because uh, when I was growing up, um, Vince McMahon was my favorite wrestling play-by-play guy because uh, he also didn't know all the moves' names. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Doc Emmerich has a place in my heart. Like if oh, Doc Emmerich he shillelies it. Yeah, if Doc Emmerich was just on the air going, "Oh my god, oh my goodness, what a maneuver!" Yeah, uh, I'd be fine with it too. Um, but no, no, your point on Ray is great, and and I will always uh, be curious as to why his shtick didn't catch on with NBC when, when he was doing games to them occasionally. Cause I really think that I really think, and, and, and this is going to sound like a hyperbole, but I really think he has that sort of ability to maybe even be kind of a, a John Madden-esque kind of guy on, on mm-hmm. hockey broadcasts. And, uh, uh, and I don't mean the former devil's checking center. I mean, the football guy. Um, and so I, 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 I think that the broadcasting in the U S has missed the boat in a lot of ways, but one of them was not latching on to, Razor when he was doing games nationally. He's he's really really quite good. Um, so listen, I I know this because I dip in and watch it, but I, so I don't really know what the overall opinion of the Canadian audience is on these guys. But I do enjoy the Vancouver broadcast. Am I wrong on that? I had them in my uh, similar with the Islanders and Brendan Burke in my uh, strong play by play tier because I do think John Shorthouse just in terms of like the technical. Uh, calling the game component of it is right up there with the very best. Uh, you know, I get the John Garrett thing. It's kind of like you're like kind of silly, harmless grandpa where he's just talking about food and <laughs> yeah. hot dogs and ketchup. And, and you know, for me, I, I just in terms of like how deep I get into hockey and, and sort of how much time I spend thinking about it, I prefer guys who can do more X's and O's breakdowns just because that's my cup of tea. So I'm not like just looking for these kind of affable stories about the Canucks from 20, 30 years ago. But at the same time, for a lot of the fan base and for people who just care about the Canucks and watching those local broadcasts, he strikes a really nice note, a nice balance with sort of the sharpness of Shorthouse. So I think the compliment between those two guys and the rapport goes a long way because you can tell that they spend, I mean, all these guys spend a ton of time together on the road, but you can tell they actually enjoy each other's company. Yes, and and that chemistry can go a long way for me. I think maybe I like Garrett because it kind of reminds me of like what Chico Resch could have been had he not been so uh, scatterbrained. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I I I find it to be very interesting though that now that you bring it up that like the primary color commentator for the Vancouver Canucks is a grandpa type who spins yarns in a market where the coverage of the team, if if there, it's not happening expertly analytically it's happening in a very sharp and cynical uh smart uh sons of botchford kind of way right and i find it kind of the juxtaposition between that voice and what most of the the voices covering vancouver and speaking about vancouver sound like uh to be a very interesting juxtaposition in that market yeah, he has been kind of grandfathered in, though, where he's been doing it for so long, whereas if, if I think like he was just starting out right now, I think there'd be more pushback mm-hmm. to that, and it, it feels like it's kind of, it'd be just weird at this point to tune into a right. Canucks game without him calling it, so I think there's something to that as well. Um, number two for me is John Forslund and Trip Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, especially now that they have something to talk about on Carolina broadcasts. Forslund's great. I, I've always been a fan of his play-by-play. Um, you know, he's, he's without question one of those guys that... Uh, uh, it comes up his name comes up in conversation a lot as far as like who should be the main voice in, in u.s hockey um i i, I don't know i i feel like like we talked about with washington earlier you know certain guys just seem to fit the market right and these guys i think fit the market right and i've i always find their broadcasts when i've seen when i've watched carolina games from local feed to be pretty entertaining and i think they 
they just they just seem to fit the suit correctly for me yeah how is uh how is like the main nbc team for all of these like prime time especially playoff games not forsland and, and razor as the uh as the play-by-play color guy like yeah i do i feel like well, that is a match made in heaven i think doc's iconic well the thing, here's the thing about nbc that you gotta realize and I, I know them a little bit i've done some business with them in the past um <clears throat> sam flood the guy who runs the operation over there loves his guys and and that's the reason why you've not seen any turnover in what has it been now 15 years since they got the rights i think right. um it's been the same guys over and over again and then adding to that with with ancillary people like patrick sharp for example um and then you know ronick when he retired so sam loves his guys sam thinks that he invented the but between the benches thing that's why we're stuck with pierre there um and i think that when he envisions what the apex of what his broadcasting team would be it would be you know doc eddie and and pierre doing the games and uh I don't think he's right, <laughs> but there's one guy with his hand on the wheel, and uh, and he's not letting go of it uh, <laughs> when it comes to the people that he likes, and so that's why you're stuck with the same fifteen, you know, people for the same f- fifteen years. Yeah, I I do think uh, you know, Forsen's obviously great. Trip Tracy, I uh, I really he's really out there, and I say that in the in the uh, best way possible. Uh, I I really enjoy those broadcasts, and I think it's it's <clears> one of those match made in heavens. You're talking about sort of the the weird uh, dichotomy there between uh, the Canucks broadcast team and sort of the fan base. I think in terms of uh, how fun and sort of creative and exciting this Hurricanes team is with that broadcast mm-hmm. team, it really is perfect, and it's great for um, you know growing the game and 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 building out that fan base even further like i i think the hurricanes are striking all the right notes right now it's no surprise beyond the fact that they're a really good hockey team why they um are so successful from a sort of marketing and pr perspective right now yeah and and you know what a what a fun time to be a hurricanes fan right like your broadcast team makes you feel good when you watch the show you read like sarah sivian and the athletic and you feel good about life because like she's a great writer and, and mm-hmm. has certainly captured the, the sort of enthusiastic zeitgeist of that team as well. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody else is tuning in and, and listening to the guys that probably should have been off the air 10 years ago and, uh, and, and feeling like, you know, your team's been treading water for a decade or whatever. And like, there's, it's just such a joy to watch a, a team with forward momentum and, and true joy in, in so many facets of the organization. You know, now that they've gotten rid of the guy who was kicking and punching players, for example. I mean, that's yes. probably not too joyous. All right, that brings us to number one. And you mentioned this cat's name a few times. And uh, and I do agree with you that I think he is one of my favorites. Uh, and again, not just because he was on Puck Soup. Uh, but Alex uh, Faust and uh, Jim Fox doing Kings games, uh, to me, is my favorite broadcast. Maybe I watch a little bit more of them now than I did before just because I'm on the West Coast. But Faust is so good. And, like, I, I really feel like Along with Brendan Burke, you know, rising star amongst American broadcasters and um, and, uh, you know, t- took over for a pretty legendary guy in, in, in L.A. And, and has acquitted himself quite well. And uh, I don't know if he'll ever reach his uh, destiny of, of hosting Jeopardy. I don't know if you know this, but uh, infamously, Alex Trebek once said that he thought Alex Faust could be the next host of Jeopardy. And mm. it was determined that he said that because uh, Trebek used to spend so much time watching Kings games that it might have been a name he just pulled out of thin air uh, <laughs> when he was asked. <laughs> but but it's become sort of, kind of legendary about Faust that that, that could happen. Um, for the record, by the way, in case anybody's wondering, uh, the next host of Jeopardy should either be Ken Jennings or um, um, uh, what's-his-face, um, John Hodgman, uh, hmm. who's you know, a comedian you may know from uh, podcasts and such. Um, but those would be my two choices for uh, someone to, God forbid, ever replace Alex Trebek. But Faust yeah, I, and Fox were number one. Faust is great. I actually, um, I've never had him on the show. I had him, I recorded a podcast with him uh, last year. And uh, we were doing it in like a busy hotel <laughs> bar. And the, uh, <laughs> the the audio was just, uh, it, was, it was too out of control. There was too much background noise. And um, we just we decided uh, made the executive decision not to run it, but it was a uh, it was a good time. It's the uh, the lost episode. Maybe maybe one we'll keep it in like five years later. We'll uh, when he is hosting Jeopardy, we'll uh, we'll put it out there and, and try to get some uh, some is. rub from that. Yeah, put it put if uh, I invite you to put it on the Puck Street Patreon so we can all make money. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't have the Kings in my top five though. I uh, as much as I Why love Alex, 
Um, I don't know the Jim Fox thing. I I don't know. I could I could go for a better better. Uh, and maybe honestly, maybe the thing that's tarnishing it for me here is that the Kings are so unwatchable as a team. And maybe yeah, uh, just the fact that they it. don't have content to work with. Like if it was a, if they were calling Hurricanes games, maybe I'd uh, I'd think differently. So there may be some bias there as well. But I just uh, I didn't have them. I'm actually stunned that you didn't have the uh, the TSN team as uh, as your number one. A t- oh, of uh, <clears throat> for w- w- which one? Well, so that's that's the good call here because. I uh, I'm not sure in the states if you guys were getting them because I I tuned into some uh, some sketchy online feeds for games that I didn't have and it was like the NHL <laughs> Network and I was like oh my god what is happening here like it was it was an abomination in my opinion especially compared to the uh, the Gord Miller Ray Ferraro combo which I I have to say brings back I get it when people are like oh I love uh right i I love doc emmerich or i love rick generator or whatever like that nostalgia for me is with uh like ray ferraro and gordon miller calling these world junior games it it just makes it extra special it's great yeah yeah i guess i guess i didn't pick the toronto group because i didn't know which combination to pick like what it's 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 like free bird rules like people seem to be jumping in and out of that broadcast now and again but i mean if i was going to pick two from that that group I i mean miller and ferraro would definitely be in my top five there was a well my one of my favorite things every playoff season is is tuning into NBC games and it's usually like the late game and Chris Cuthbert is randomly calling it and, yeah. and those are my favorite. He is he's so 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 good. And there, I think like Ferraro and Cuthbert were calling um what was it two or three years ago it was, it was the vegas's first season when they beat the kings when they swept them in round one and they were randomly mm-hmm. calling that entire series and it was like the biggest mismatch between quality of series and quality of broadcasting like, I, like, <laughs> I don't know how they got assigned to that but it, it made it it made it worth tuning in just for those two guys yeah that's the reason i left them out is i didn't know what combination to put but i mean if you were going to give me like miller and, and ferraro let's say as the primary duo for the leafs then I mean, they'd probably be number one, to be quite honest with you, because they're that good. But Ray, Ray's the best uh, um, color guy out there, I think. Like you said, I mean, the ability to succinctly break down plays and, and do it in a, in a manner that's not uh, um, uh, uh, interfering with the game flow and interfering with your enjoyment of the game, I think is key. And... Uh, We've talked a lot about comparisons and juxtapositions here. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but here in the States, we do have a, a, a commentator that stands between the benches during games and commentates on the game. Um, and so uh, to compare Ray Ferraro with that uh, <laughs> even makes him look that much better. Oh, I love Pierre. Good stuff. Um, I, uh, why, do you so, lo- why, do you love, why do you love Pierre? I mean, I, 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 mean, from I will a purely, reiterate what I've always said. Go ahead. Uh, it's I, I it's just purely ironic perspective. It's a purely ironic it? perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I'm like, I'm in on the joke. I, I think if if you, uh, you know, if you're tuning into these games and and you're expecting something else, clearly it's going to be very uh, off putting and distressing. I, I, I just, I just at this point, it's kind of like a white noise to me. I've, I've tuned it out. It's. Uh, Does he? Is he in on the joke? Does he know that they gave him oh, the corn dog not. to, you know? No, he's put it on the internet. Joke. Otherwise, I, I imagine he wouldn't be. He wouldn't continue doing it. I imagine he. <laughs> but you know, to be Pierre Maguire, you need a certain level of uh, lack of self awareness, and um, it's a. Uh, it's amazing. It was amazing watching him uh, call uh, Igor Shostorkin's debut. It was just like I just kept waiting for him to just automatically recite his entire Elite Prospects page uh, off off memory. Yeah. It's it's just the I stick think is classic. I, I've 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 said this for years about him. Um, because I need to balance my uh, abject uh, hatred of his uh, place on on national broadcasts with acknowledgement of his of his talent. Uh, put him in the boot. Put him in the studio, like he is on TSN, and I, I feel like I would enjoy him a hell of a lot more. Not only because then there's a clock on how long he can speak, <laughs> and and there's a focus to his uh, his analysis. That isn't necessarily there during the game, um, but I also think that the the social awkwardness of Pierre Maguire works for me much better in the studio than it does during a game because I don't want to be distracted by it during a game. So when you have those moments like the Jeff O'Neill girth thing that happened on TSN that we all remember, like 
that's hilarious. And, and those types of moments <clears throat> to me would be very endearing and, and, and funny and, and, uh, and shareable. Uh, but they sometimes happen during a game that I'm watching and, and I don't need that. It's, I, I want to enjoy the game. I don't want to, I find him to be so damn distracting <laughs> during the game that I just don't want to hear it anymore. But put him in the studio and you have something, though, in my opinion. Well, I'm really curious what they do this postseason because, you know, they made this sort of, uh, especially at the start of the year, this, they made <clears throat> the effort, or at least, or, or they made it public that they were going to dial back his workload and that he wasn't on the top team anymore. And come the postseason, I'm really curious to see what his workload is like because I think, you know, it's one thing to uh, the quality of it itself, but it's like no one would succeed in the uh, the usage that they give him during the postseason. Where it's like he's just flying from city to city and doing games every single night. And it's like, yeah, clearly he's going to be doing that shtick where he's just reciting the same old notes all over again because no one in their right mind would have enough time to prepare unique material. Not that he would otherwise, but it's like maybe if you're giving him to us once every four days instead of literally every single night, maybe it would be a little bit different. So I'm very curious to see what happens there come the postseason but you're i mean you made that point of like nbc has their guys it's like they act as if there's four people in the world that are qualified to call nhl playoff games yeah and it's it's a little it's a little bit of a bummer and uh i i mean the bigger bummer for me is again like i mentioned earlier like the fact that they would they they import drager and mckenzie to do like insider stuff rather than developing their own you know people and you know, there's a lot to unpack there on my end. I mean, you know, I think that they could definitely acknowledge their digital side a lot more than they do. I mean, the NFL side certainly does more than the NHL side does to that end. Um, but the idea that like the idea that, that both intermissions, that there isn't some I mean, they've borrowed everything else from Canadian television. Why, why they didn't borrow like hot stove is beyond my comprehension. Um, it's and I think it's because my own theory on this is that because. NBC's approach to coverage of the NHL has always, and they've they've admitted this. This isn't this isn't like me analyzing it. Um, is is swinging for as large and broad an audience as possible. Um, so I think they think that their time is better spent with three minute vignettes about Henrik Lundqvist than it is talking about the news of the day um, or or trade rumors or, or things of that nature. And I've always felt that that was a huge disconnect. I always felt yeah. like that was just a big, 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 huge mistake um, strategically on their part because the, the casual fans not tuning in to watch their team on a Tuesday night. Like, no. they're just not. Um, and I never understood why they couldn't comprehend that the people watching these games are the people that consume tw- you know, Twitter all day, are the people that consume Elliot's column, are the people that uh, are, are you know constantly bickering about major stories in the league and and don't really care about your you know personality piece that should run on a sunday afternoon game and so it's it's never made sense to me that they don't recognize that about their audience and i think that speaks to why they haven't necessarily developed much talent beyond the core group that they have there yeah no i'm right there with you uh there's three other broadcast teams i had two of my top five and one honorable mention for hilarity which isn't in the top five it's probably in like the 500th ranking they call it Rado avalanche <laughs> altitude sports oh, god. oh my god mark moser P- and peter P- mcnab peter mcnab used to be a devil's broadcaster and uh with with uh, gary thorne and uh it, it always shocks me that like a guy that i listened to when i was a kid uh is is still chugging along in colorado oh, but yeah god. not not my favorite yeah you although he need- did reveal that that Taylor Hall's bag was packed in the in the mm. hallway a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was a really nice little touch. You, you tune into the intermissions when uh when Mark Rycroft's in studio and uh and check out his hair slash facial hair combo. Um, it's pretty I'll great. Just it <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it. At, um, so but in the, my top five, I actually did have uh, both the Predators and the Golden Knights broadcasts. Yeah, the Golden Knights broadcast. The Golden Knights broadcast overall, like beyond what they have on the air, and I think that, that Shane Knighty's uh, really good. Yep. Um, but like everybody, the entire cast of characters they have doing stuff for them, and including now Darren Millard, is yep. uh, is is pretty entertaining. It's a, it's a really good uh, uh, collection. 
Yeah, no, they did a good job. And and I, for the Predators, what I really like about them is, is I think they're sort of right up there in terms of embracing stats and actually, um, you know, citing like they're like they're like putting up graphics of natural statric and and all this stuff and sort of throwing us a bone and doing exactly what uh what NBC doesn't, which is appealing to the niche uh, diehard fans as opposed to trying to cast this wide net and and scoop in casual viewers. And I, and I really enjoy that sort of especially when you compare it to what NBC does. Yeah, and and uh, Chris Mason, their color their color guy is, is on the ball too. He's 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 good at what he does. Yeah. So that's All good. Right. That's a good choice. All right. I uh, wish I, I listened to more Arizona radio because I, mm. I don't think I've ever heard Paul Bissonnette call a game. Now that I think about it. Yeah, and I'd like to see him on TV because uh, Tyson Nash leaves a bit to be desired for me. A bit too uh, a bit too eccentric. How do you um, leave Paul Bissonnette on your bench, man? Like that's I know. Like he's like the most sellable guy in the league right now I forgot I mean, who who among us uh, is doing both a, a barstool podcast commercials for american express and a video series on nhl.com <laughs> doing it all <laughs> swiss army knife right. um indeed all right greg uh plug some stuff what uh what are you working on these days and where can people check you out well as you guys know i write for espn.com my column the wish list runs on uh, thursdays most weeks fridays other weeks uh espn on ice my podcast emily kaplan drops on tuesdays sometimes wednesdays this week we had bill daly on for a long interview that produced probably like 20 different bits of news um and then uh, of course puck soup with dan goes brown and ryan lambert that uh, runs every week we also have a patreon for uh puck soup as well if you want to check that out and uh and yeah it's it's all very good i i i, uh, I get to talk to very interesting people uh and write some cool stuff and uh and couldn't be couldn't be happier with uh, with the, the world these days as far as yield career beautiful man well i uh i co-sign all of that and uh it's a pleasure being your uh your co-worker and your colleague and let's uh let's do this again soon you got it and apologies to any of the broadcast teams we missed uh dimitri panicked uh, dm'd me last night <laughs> saying we needed more time to prepare for this podcast and i said we'll just you rush me so yeah, yeah so if, if there's anyone we missed and you're like where why have you talked about my team that's the reason you can blame me I, I i threw us into the water to see if we could swim and i think that at very least we doggy paddled so i'm very yeah, proud we made of it us. you made it i'm, uh, I'm proud right. of us all right man talk soon <laughs> take care man. the hockey pdo cast with dimitri filipovich follow on twitter at dim filipovich and on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey pdo cast Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. Hey there, I'm Reza Aslan. Each week on my new podcast, Rough Draft, I sit down for cocktails and conversations with the writers who are changing the landscape of contemporary culture. And it's not just literature, it's writers of all kinds, like rapper activist Vic Mensa, Rami Youssef from Hulu's Rami, and award-winning poet Robin Costa Lewis. These conversations are wild, thought-provoking, and a whole lot of fun. We're going to dive into not only how they write, but why they write. That's Rough Draft with Reza Aslan. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. recommends.